It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals postgame edition after yet another loss. The Bengals losing 30-7 to to Andy Dalton and the Dallas Cowboys. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports comments and editor with Rick Broering. And Rick, um, I, I don't want to say I'm at a loss for words, but I'm kind of at a loss for words because I'm tired of it. I'm just, this is crazy. This well, is that's silly. It- that's the thing, right? It feels like the same old song and dance each week when we come back here to do this, right? For sure. And it's it's mind numbing. It's really mind numbing. Now, listen, let, let's go with this. Let's start with this. The first half is on the players. Three fumbles on the players. That was not Zach Taylor, right? We'll agree with that, correct? E- yeah, it, for sure. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not done. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, stop, I, stop with me the first half. Stop with me there for a second. I, I will, I, but I do want to say that uh, my my buddy Dan that I do my Xavier podcast with did text me and said, the Bengals putting their, their culture on full display here to start this one. And I, I was calling the NKU Kent State game at the yes, time, so I didn't yes. know what he's talking about. I said, what's happening? He goes, three fumbles, including a butt fumble to start the game. And it's like, you're right, that is on the players, but it's like, this is their chance for a win, Skinny. This was the opportunity we talked yep. about, maybe the last one on the schedule, and this is how they're going out fighting for Zach Taylor's three fumbles to start. Right, but but okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Of the first half, I'm not gonna put on Zach Taylor. It's on the players. You can't fumble football. The butt right. fumble. Giovanni Bernard never fumbles. Alex Erickson probably should have been carrying the ball, but his ball security is really good. So th- that's on them. That's fair. The second the second half though. Last week, minus four yards in the third quarter. Today, 32 yards in the third quarter. Honestly, what are we doing at halftime? Are we having orange slices in a, in a glass of juice and not caring about adjustments? And I'm not a bit, I think adjustments are overrated. I, I, I'll tell you, as a high school basketball coach, I have about a four minute halftime. I go in. If I'm mad, I give my mad speech and punch the chalkboard and tell them how pissed off I am. And hopefully you wake them up. If we've played really well and we're leading, it's, hey, we're not going to rest on our laurels. If there's a few things I need to tweak, you know, we need to, you know, they're getting us on this and we get them on that. And I like to run this inbounds play differently. I'd like to run a little bit of this differently. I'm in and out in four. There's half the time I walk out and I look up at the clock and go, and it's a 10 minute half for me. I go, man, five minutes left. What am I going to do? Well, I'll go sit on the bench and have a glass of water. I'm just not a big halftime guy, but I know in the NFL, it's a big deal. And and it and it's a bigger deal than high school basketball by any or any basketball because it's just a it's it's a bigger adjustment game. And so at this point of the game, I'm not I I hate because it's so cliche. So what adjustments are you making? You know what? Sometimes the other team's just better and you played well for a half, they didn't, etc. This looks like this team goes in and they go, Who wants an orange slice? Who wants a glass of juice? Let's go get them, guys. I mean, what are we doing? Are, are we sure they're even doing that? I think that might be more productive maybe, for team morale. Would, I feel like they would come out with a little more energy and passion in the third quarter if they were getting. They, they'd be on a sugar high for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think maybe, you know, you'd see a crash in the fourth quarter possibly, but really the third quarter is this team's problem. So I Man. don't know that they're even getting the orange slices in Capri Sun skinny. Yeah, maybe not. And, and, and shame on them. I mean, we all had it when we were kids, right? That's, that's how you do halftime or middle of a little league game or the end of a little league game. That's how we all do it. It's, it's a morale boost. Let's be frank. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's go to the first half with the fumbles. And again, I'm not blaming Zach Taylor for any of that, but Giovanni Bernard had not fumbled in 829 straight carries. And it happens. Guys in the league fumble. You're never not going to fumble as a ball carrier. You're always going to fumble at some point. So 829 carries seems like a guy that you go, huh, pretty reliable guy. And yet he got benched for the rest of the first half of that. That seems a little extreme. Yes. 
Is this the game you're going to hold guys accountable? Is this we're going to start doing this of going, all right, you're accountable and you're accountable. You're accountable. 13 games into your second season, that's when that's going to occur? Come well, on. You know, what's also notable about that is the last few weeks when there's been all this talk about the Bengals locker room and Zach Taylor losing the locker room and the veterans and unnamed sources and all that. Who was the one who was sticking up for Zach Taylor in the media? Gio Bernard. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy who's had Zach's back every step right. of the way. Uh, and maybe it's just been publicly. Maybe it's a little bit different behind closed doors. That's part of being a professional, too. And I sure. I certainly think Gio is a professional. But it's interesting to me, right? Like, I mean, you're right. A guy who hasn't really held anybody accountable at any point for poor play is now all of a sudden going to bench Gio Bernard, the guy who seemingly is one of your top character guys inside that locker room. And and let's be frank, it's not like you're benching him because you're just giving all the touches to Joe Mixon. It's Travion Williams and Samaj P. Ryan right. you're running right Right, now. right. And then so then Travion Williams fumbles and they replace him with Samaj P. Ryan. And then Alex Erickson fumbles. And then it looked like Samaj P. Ryan fumbled going to the end zone. Well, I think he had crossed it and it didn't matter because he got called back for a holding penalty. I mean, were you going to bench the whole roster today for, for, for that? I mean, there were, what are you doing, man? So I think you would agree with me that the Bengals are going to have some trouble winning back fans after this season no and getting question. people back in. I've yes. got an idea to boost oh, I like fan it. support. Yes. I think that the Bengals should now dictate one roster spot that the fans will get to cut every year. So one guy, the fans get to vote on it and they all get to decide this guy is gone. We're not going to watch him again. If this team is going to suck this bad every year, we at least get to eliminate one guy off the team at the end of the season that we vote on together. And I'm going to say if that happened, this may be mean, but Alex Erickson would probably be that guy. No, no, dude, it wasn't before the end of the game. It was when he fumbled. I got so many tweets back at me. Just, I just, all I did was tweet out, and now Alex Erickson's fumble, blah, blah, blah. It was, why is he on the roster? They should cut him. He sucks. He stinks. I get it. You're right. And, he's and been he's a, a lightning rod for the fan base already. But I mean, come on, man. You're, you're going to fumble in, in your opportunity in this game. Like, what are you doing out there? But uh, why, why are you handing the ball on fourth and one? Why is yeah, he the guy? Agreed. Give me Tyler Boyd. Give me T. Higgins. Give me Samaj P. Ryan. Give me Gio Bernard one more time. Alex Erickson on fourth and one. That's your go-to guy. Give me a freaking break. You're an idiot. I, I would tend to agree with you there. That makes very little sense. Uh, so that we've talked about a few of the weird things like the Geo Bernard stuff. Another thing that stuck out to me as weird is AJ Green in this game. Seven targets, six receptions, 62 yards and a touchdown. Looked a little different, I thought. Just yeah. his, his quickness, his explosiveness, his... Uh, focus, if you will, the, the attentiveness, it seemed a little bit different from him. Is he showing off because his old buddy Andy Dalton's in town or what's going on there? What happened today? Well, well I think some of it is, and, and I will say th that um, this is so nuancy that I don't want to get too deep, but a lot of it is he is the third or fourth option on a lot of routes, which tells you where he's at, right? Uh, so that's why he's not gotten a lot of targets. And I, the, the questions were asked this week of Zach Taylor of why he's not gotten targets. And it feels like he went, okay, you want him to get targets? I'll get him targets. I'll make him an early option in routes. The touchdown pass, uh, AJ even talked about it. He goes, I knew I was the first target. I knew it was coming to me. And some of that is coverage dictated. And there's no question on that play. There was a guy that was man-to-man. -man. The, the, the coverage was rolled the other way to where the multiple wide receivers were. And so as a quarterback coordinator, all that stuff, the ball has to go there. And he made a good move. He, 
he juked the guy outside, came back inside, and it was a good route, a good ball by Brandon Allen. It's one of those ones you're like, that's why they're NFL guys. It was all those things are great. But I think it almost feels like, hey, everybody's fussed about AJ not getting targets. Zach, get him targets. And so, again, as a coach, be the adult in the room and go, the guy can't play any longer. He can't do things we he used to do. He can't make big plays. We're going to go to our other guys. And yet it felt like they almost force-fed him. And I'm not, again, in retrospect, you're right, seven targets, six catches, that's all great. But that's not the adult in the room moment. And that's where I go back to this cat is so in over his head, it's embarrassing. He is so in over his head, it's embarrassing. Well, we, we all know the best way to make your personnel and game plan decisions is to crowdsource the media first. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is that is always a good no, no, strategy. No, no question. Uh, so no I, question. Get where, I get where the boy wonder genius is going with that one. Part of this, though, I feel like is on A.J. Green to a certain extent. And maybe it's as simple as, and look, I, I don't like reading into what everyone's thinking and the psychology of players and coaches and everything. We do it way too often on this show, obviously. But no, like, no doubt. what you just brought up to me does kind of seem like a reasonable thing, right? Zach Taylor is like, well, we're going to make A.J. part of the game plan this week. Everyone's complaining about it. So, And the way A.J. Green responded to start this game to me looked like a guy who knew he was getting his number called today. He looked like a guy with some energy, a guy who was getting in and out of his breaks, a guy who was running every route like he might get thrown the ball, as opposed to the last several weeks, A.J. Green looks like he's 150 years old out there and running his routes like I'm running routes in a flag football game on Saturdays at NKU when I was 21. Like, that's not... No, those aren't the same thing to me. I I can see it with my own eyes. Not that I'm a advanced NFL scout, but like just watching the game, I see the way the guy's running routes. No, to your point, there was a, there was a backside screen. I wish I could remember what it was. I want to say late in the first half, but there was a backside screen away from AJ and I'm watching him. I usually like to put the, I like to put binoculars on because I love offensive line play. I'm a geek and I just like to watch the trenches and see where things go. But this was a clear third down long. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to drop the binoculars, watch where it goes. So I'm watching the play develop from the, from the other side. It's a screen away from AJ. Dude, he jogged out of that play like, I really don't care. I'm not involved in this, so to hell with it. And, and so that's the part to me. It's like, you're, to, to your point, you're right. I mean, at some stage, dude, be a pro. I, you, you used to be a pro. Act like a pro, be a pro. Um and I think this is the whole roster. There's just not a lot of pros in the roster. There's not a pro coach and everybody knows it. And we're, we should be done with it. We should be done with it. Well, I, I think that's absolutely the case. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, because when we've been talking the last few weeks, you said the one thing, if you're clinging for anything to watch still is do the Bengals have a possible number two guy, a possible backup for Joe Burrow in Brandon Allen? I look at his box score, 27 of 36, 217 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, a quarterback rating of 99. I saw some of the drives. You know, the fumbles weren't his fault. The the late drive where he's playing on one leg with, right. was actually an impressive drive until the fourth Should down throw, which, which, like, I wonder how much of that was just like, I don't want to get killed because no, right. I'm in so much no, right. pain. I'm just going to get rid of this thing. And, not even taking into account what the situation was and everything. So what was your opinion? What did you see from Brandon Allen? My takeaway and the vibe I got was people felt okay about it. He looked decent. Yeah, I I thought he did too. I think the thing for him, unfortunately, at this point is he's not put four good quarters together in a row. It's been two here, two there, two here, two there. And I put it in my five things to watch before the game. Um, 
you know, he had one good half in one game, one bad half in a second, one good half in one game, one bad half in a second. And so there's, there's glimpses where you're like, boy, he spins it pretty good, makes good decisions. He has no downfield threat. Um, he's dealing with a lot of issues where they can't run the ball. I mean, today they didn't run the ball either against the worst running defense in the league. So um, I think he has proven to me that if I'm going into next year, I think he's a viable backup option. I think he's done a good enough job. Now, does that, I mean, that doesn't mean anything. We're talking about a backup quarterback. What are we talking about? <laughs> right? <laughs> of course. Yeah. But, but look, that's, that's all we have. I mean, that's but, all we have. No, right no, that's all we have. Um, and I think he's done a good enough job for me to say, sure, I'm, I'm good with that. Um, I probably need to see more, but I'm, I'm okay with it. It beats the other option of the, that, I mean, Ryan Finley is embarrassingly bad. I, when he came in, it was so sad to watch him play quarterback and take another couple of sacks because he can't, he, he doesn't want to rip it. He doesn't want to throw it. He doesn't want to be out there. He doesn't want to be a part of this. Just cash his last check and say, see you chief, have a good time. Whatever else you're doing in life. He's a smart guy. Hopefully he goes make a bunch of money, whatever he's doing, investment banker, you know, hedge fund guy. Honestly, he'd probably be a hedge fund shyster for all I know. That seems like he would, what he would be. Um, just go do that stuff. I, I He's so bad. It, it makes me sick to watch him. I am sure this is not an original take that I have here. I, I bet a hundred people tweeted it when it happened, but the fact that they leave Brandon Allen in on one leg for that yes. drive, don't even what do, consider. What does that tell you? Tells you all you need to know about a guy they traded up to get in the fourth round in Ryan. Correct. Correct. I mean, just what is Duke Tobin? What is the accountability for Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor on guys like that? That's what a great question. You, you know what, Rick? No one knows. No one knows if I can point at Zach. I can point at Mike. I can point at Katie. I can point at Troy Blackburn. I can point at anybody. No one knows. None of us know. And maybe that's why there's the, the beauty of this for them is they, they realize, Hey, if we don't say anything, we don't talk. Nobody knows who screw this up because we continually screw this up. So it doesn't matter. We can tell, we don't have to go out there I and mean, we can just go, um, did Duke draft that guy or did Zach draft that guy? And if, Zach drafted that guy. Was that Duke's fault that he drafted that guy? Or was that Mike's fault? Wait a minute. Did Mike sign off on Duke drafting that guy for Zach? And did Zach go, I didn't want this guy? Nobody knows, Rick. And that's the pro that is the problem in a crux. There's no accountability that we know about in any way, shape, or form. None. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. And I, I mean, it is just absolutely stunning to me still to go back to we did our weekly podcast right you know after the Bengals draft you you get into training camp and that's one of the big storylines what do the new draft picks look like right and they had traded up to get Ryan Finley they were clearly looking to move on from Andy Dalton in the near future so at that time it wasn't even like do we have a backup for Joe Burrow in the future it was right. do you right. have a potential guy to to groom underneath Andy Dalton like that's how much potential you're thinking this guy may have since they traded up to get him we do our podcast after the first week of training camp, or maybe it was even before that, like OTAs or something, voluntary stuff. But whenever you got your first look at Ryan Finley throwing against, and it might've been seven on seven, but whatever is the first live action to receivers with a defensive back, you told me immediately, this guy has no chance, like no shot. He's not an NFL player. You crushed him on that first podcast. And I'm thinking like skinny is out of his mind this week, way too harsh on this guy after a couple practices, but lo and behold, it took you all of five minutes to diagnose something that the Bengals clearly didn't see. I mean, he is 
No shot. He's not an NFL quarterback. You can see it every time he throws the football. And the Bengals clearly know it too. They won't even put him in when they've got Brandon Allen out there, a backup on one leg. It's insane. Dude, I, I don't want to seem like the smartest guy in the room. I really and truly don't because I'm I'm usually not. Um, but it, it, you're right. It, it did not take me long, and I am not an NFL scout. I coach basketball. I think I know basketball. I love basketball. I think I know sports. So, I again, I don't want to be the guy who goes, oh, I told you so. I, I really don't. But, I mean, that first practice, I went, I looked around thinking, wait, am I missing something here? And I, I've told you this story. I've told the story. I walked up into the locker room trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and go, dude, did you throw the ball a bunch in the last month? Is your arm hurt? Is it, was it, and it was wet that day. I'm like, was it wet? And he looked at me and almost wanted to punch me. And I thought, oh, okay. If that's what you think, oh, I'm, maybe I'm an idiot. He is a douche and a terrible <laughs> player. And he, I, and honestly, whoever evaluated him, I don't care if it was Duke, another scout, a quarterback's coach, uh, an offensive coordinator, Zach Taylor, whoever scouted him and said, hey, he's really good, should be fired tomorrow or yesterday or last week. And the guest, again, this is what is so frustrating to me and should be frustrating to you as fans. Nobody knows who's accountable. We don't know. We don't, And that's the way they love it. They love the fact that no one is accountable because we don't know. You could point at the old man, and you probably should because, again, he's in theory – top of the accountable chart but i don't even know if he knows it's tuesday wednesday or saturday i don't i think he knows i'm not sure he knows what day it is so i can't blame him anymore i used to be able to blame him he's walking around the field today look like a guy with dementia walking around not knowing what the hell he's doing and we don't know who's in charge tell us who's in charge and hold who we can hold accountable and i'm just telling you i'm honestly i'm telling you next year <laughs> Good luck getting fans in that stands, boys. Get good luck because everybody hates you right now. And back in the day, I, even hate's not even a right word. I think everybody now has laughed to the point of, eh, I don't need to go. This is yeah. a joke. It's getting worse. It's, it's becoming correct. apathy instead of hatred. Yes. Yes. So people correct. are moving past the hatred. And that's, correct. that's the big problem. That's that the worst. People point. get to the part where they just don't even care. They're not even tuning in. They're not worried at all about what you're doing. And, and we're Correct. getting closer and closer to that point, I think, with a big segment of the fan base. I mean, look, the Bengals are always. I'm there, relevant. dude. Dude, I am there. I don't care if they play. I hope they get COVID for the next three weeks and don't play. I don't care. I don't even want to do this anymore. I hate them. I, I was thrilled to be at Kent State covering a college basketball sure. game all day and then just come home, skim through as fast as I can and, and catch up through stats and and commentary online. So, yeah, I know I, I totally get where you're coming from on that. Um, and the last point I'll make is I know it's it's different rounds of the draft and and Cedric he was taken earlier, but I used to think Cedric he was the worst evaluation I had seen. But to me, it's Ryan Finley without question. Oh. Because to, to trade up for a guy, to me, sure signifies... Jo- hang like, on, hang on. You sure John Ross him? isn't close? No, because again, at least there's the physical aspect. Like same thing with Cedric Obey. I look at him and I'm like, he looks kind of like an NFL player. Uh, John Ross had the insane speed that like you get. The Raiders would have taken him eventually, right? That's fair. That's fair. If you didn't. So like someone would have taken, but I don't know that Ryan Finley would have ever been taken in the draft. Like maybe a seventh rounder. I have no, Drew Sample is another guy that I have no idea. He He's performed way better than I expected him to, but another guy that I don't know if it's a real NFL player. (laughs) No. Ryan oh. Finley is just not even, he doesn't even look like an NFL player. He doesn't have no. the arm strength. He doesn't have size or athleticism to go with it. Like he is a, a not an okay division one football player. 
a dud. He's a dud. Yeah, I mean, he's an a, absolute zero dud. at this level. It's ins- I just can't fathom the idea that they traded up, like targeted. This is the guy that we got to get. And, and, and honestly, I, I and again, I am not. I swear to God, I I don't want to toot my own horn. I swear I don't. But how does a guy like me watch one practice of that guy and go, whoa, what? You you were certain about it too. Like I was that's defi- the thing that's crazy. You, know me. you told dude, me, and I was dude. I was like, come on, man. That was like a couple of days, and you were like, no, he has no shot. No shot. I mean, it's embarrassing. I, how do we do this? I don't get it. Okay, uh, last question. Let's wrap this up. Okay, sure, I, absolutely, for <laughs> sure. Let's do it. Thirty to seven to the Cowboys, the oh, one yeah. team that you had said. Uh, th- I think they have a chance still to win this game. You you picked the Cowboys by one point in our pick them, but you said, I mean, this if it's going to happen, this is the game. Not only does it not happen, but they're embarrassed that the guys really didn't come out and fight for Zach Taylor at all, as evidenced by the three yeah. fumbles. It, is this the final nail in the coffin? Is it a no doubt thing now that you have no shot if you're Zach Taylor? It's no, it's no, it's not a no doubt. It's a no doubt in my opinion. It's a no doubt in people listening to this opinion. It's a no doubt probably in your opinion. I'm sure it is. I won't speak for you, but yeah, right. Um, No, it's just not the real, but I can't imagine it's not a no, no doubt. I can't imagine as I'm watching Mike Brown shuffle around the stadium. It really was. It was depressing to watch. It's cold. He's got an old starter jacket on and you can laugh at that, but he did have an old starter jacket on. (laughs) He's got an old starter jacket on, shuffling around the field. And I, 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 I it was one of those ones, I'm, I'm, it was during the press conferences, and I kind of looked up and I looked up, and he, he does it all the time. So I said, this is nothing new. It's what he does. He, he wants to exercise, and God love him. He's 86 years old, and for an old man to walk around the field like that, part of me goes, good for you, man. I'm not sure I'll do that when I'm your age, but good for you. But then I kept thinking, he's got his head down, and he's in thought. There's some thought there. And I'm thinking, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about, I'm a failure? My dad thinks I'm a failure up in heaven. Um, there was a lot to that. Do I need to fire this guy? And there's a sadness. There's a depressing sadness of that. Because I don't think he wants, he does not want, everybody thinks he doesn't want to win. He just wants to make money. No, people, he doesn't. He wants to win. He thinks he knows how to win. And that's what makes me so sad is, is he really believes that he has the answer and knows what he's doing. And he doesn't. And at 86 years old, how do you convince somebody that, chief, it's not working? Do something else. Do a different way. And I, I, I've said this on multiple podcasts. He is so chasing his father's ghosts, ghost, rather, it's it's sad. It's depressing. And I'm watching him shuffle around the field. And I kept watching it for a while, thinking, are you are you really thinking about your dad? Are you thinking about your legacy? Are you thinking about this team? Are you thinking about firing Zach Taylor? All of it's sad. And I don't think he fires Zach. I think he thinks we're going to make it right for this guy. We're going to give him one more swing at it. My quarterback got hurt. He only got a chance to play 10 games with this quarterback this year. Let's let him have another chance. And with his quarterback, they were scoring points. And you'll agree with this, Rick. I think this was more Joe Burrow than Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, but they were scoring points with Joe Burrow. Yep. So if he thinks that that's the guy, I do think he's coming back. But the whole thing just it it's it it is honestly, and this is the worst part, it is chronically sad. Chronically sad. And it's sad for Bengals fans, and that's the worst part. Well, I, I mean, I think that's where we leave it. There's no reason to go any farther. That's that's kind of the question every week, I feel like, but this one felt like it had a little more weight to it, just because it was that seemingly last chance for uh 
a realistic win if you're the Bengals. And not only do they they not come close, but they get <laughs> quite honestly embarrassed in a lot of ways by Andy Dalton. And look, you got to know you don't just walk into Paul Brown Stadium and beat Afternoon Andy. Like, I think no. that's been a thing for years. So Dude, you should have known what was coming. Man. Yeah. Dude, and I will say this. I love the fact, whether Bengals fans like it or not, I didn't see a lot of fussing about it. There were some questions asked about it. I think that last touchdown pass for Mike McCarthy for Andy on the fourth and one, I almost want to go, you know what? Good for you. Very shove it cool. up there, shove yeah. it up their ass and have a good day. I, I, he I wave, heard wave, when the, wave, it, waves to his wife and says, good night. That, I thought, I think that was fabulous. Yeah. Very cool. I wanted Andy Dalton to have the best game possible. I mean, I want, I want nothing but good things to happen to that guy. I, I think he's a great guy. He just, wasn't the guy any longer for the Bengals, you know, no, to, no to question, try to no. move in a positive direction because and, it and, wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And you know how much of a fan I was of his, I thought he was a great quarterback and you're right. I'm, I'm with you. It was time. It was definitely time to move on, yeah, but, but I want what? nothing but good things to happen to Andy Dalton and his family for sure. They were great for the community. And I did see, I didn't get to hear it, but I saw someone tweet that when they announced the team, they said, Andy Dalton and the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. No, no, that's they pretty did. cool. Yeah. No, that's... usually, usually when uh, the PA announcer announces the other team coming on the field, let's welcome our our rivals to the AFC North or whatever AFC South, the Tennessee Titans, and they come on the field. Nobody cares. And today it was, let's welcome Andy Dalton and the Dallas Cowboys. And I thought, you know what, that's pretty classy. And, and I, you know, as much as I bash this organization and rightfully so, I thought that was really well done. That 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 was the right thing to do. Um, and he led him out on the field and there was a little bit of a cheer. And I thought, I thought it was great. That the crowd actually cheered him rather than boo him just because it is what they do. Um, so yeah, I thought that was, that part was really positive and great. So look at us ending on a positive note. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll be back in the midweek with some college basketball and college football and more Bengals. If we have college basketball, by the way, which is trending in a weird direction um, and much more for Rick boring. I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's been the skinny podcast, the Bengals post game. Losing, as usual, tradition.